Hello and welcome to the podcast of Lakeside Elizabethtown. We are located at 1801 Green Road in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, 42701. You can call us at 270-769-1297 or visit us at our website at www.lakesideetown.com. Sunday morning services begin at 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Come out and celebrate Jesus with a bunch of ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. And now to today's sermon with Pastor Tim Nichols. I want you to hear something. Um, this was unplanned, so the media team is not going to have this ready. But it is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And see, what happened is the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. They were about to try to destroy the people of Judah. And the odds were stacked against him. And he began to set his face to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And the people got together and asked God for help. People from all over Judah, many cities came together to seek God. And Jehoshaphat prayed this glorious prayer, asking God to execute judgment against the people that were trying to destroy them because they were powerful or powerless against this great army. See, in the physical, they were defeated. And see, some of you are defeated because... Your mind, your heart, and your spirit, man, are all focused on the physical. I'm here to tell you that if we only focus on the physical, we are already defeated. Because this earth is already defeated. There is no victory on this planet unless God intervenes. So Jehoshaphat bowed to the ground and he prayed. And then the priests and the Levites stood up to praise the Lord with a very loud voice. And then in verse 20, here's where I'm going to pick up. It says, And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness in Tekoa. See, folks, there's something about mornings. It says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the morning. It said, evening and morning and noontime will I pray and cry aloud. Jesus many times rose up early in the morning. There's something about God getting the first part of our day. It says, they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Israel. And the thing is, I'm going to tell you something. If a leader has not heard from heaven, they have nothing to say of value. Why do you think so many nations are in trouble today? It's because kings and kingdoms are all only dwelling and focusing on the physical realm. That's why many churches are dying. That's why many churches are only going through the motions. That's why many churches are not seeing God move. It is because so many of the people are focused on the physical realm. And I'm not putting us in this special category. 
I'm telling you folks, we as a congregation have got to learn to press past what we see. And Jehoshaphat, the Lord gives him a revelation of what it takes. So they rose early in the morning, went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. So they went out to a quiet place. See, sometimes you've got to get outside the chaos. You've got to get outside the noise. You've got to get outside the voices. And you've got to find that quiet place. You've got to go out in the wilderness. You've got to go out in the woods or wherever it is. Or maybe it's in your bedroom. Or um, if you're a mom, sometimes the bathroom is the only place you can hide. And then still you see little fingers slipping under the door. But you've got to find that place. It's where you're out in Tekoa. You're out in the middle of nowhere and you're saying, God, I've got to get past this. I've got to get beyond the physical. And it said, Hear me, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. Man, there's a mouthful right there, the prophetic. The church does not function as prophetic like it used to. I mean, the, the, the book of Acts, that church could see around corners. It was like they were limitless. And see, my desire in my heart is to get back to that place where the church is limitless. This is that all fell on everyone that came around them. Church day is almost the butt of jokes sometimes. The, the subject of sitcoms, and it's, it's ridiculous. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy tire, and they went before the army. Now, folks, that don't make sense. And see, there were certain armies, correct me if I'm wrong, that used to follow, that tried to follow that pattern, but they weren't following after God's heart put the little pretty drummers and the, and, the, and the band in front, what was happening? They were getting mowed down. That's not what happened in God's army. And I'm going to tell you why. The army went first. Now, now look what it says. They rose early in the morning. They went out to Tekoa. But it says, And when they had taken counsel with the people, appointed those who were to sing and praise him in holy attire. And they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, the men of Moab and Mount Seir, and those who came against Judah, and they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting themselves to destruction. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped destroy one another. See, the fact is, here's the thing. When you grasp the concept of praise, when you grasp the concept of worship and what its role is, why it exists. Pay attention. Why it exists. It'll cause your enemies to turn on each other. But as long as we're focused on the physical, so that's the importance of worship. Worship. 
Worship isn't just making music. It's not just a battle cry. Let me tell you what it is, and thank you. Um, you can go ahead and lower that. If you'll go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. This is really the foundation behind what I want to say today. But basically what we have is we have a very wicked nation. Israel was evil. They were disobeying God. They were doing everything they weren't supposed to do. Um, They were just a wicked people. And then here's Isaiah. God calls him to be a prophet. And this is the moment God calls him to be a prophet. I'm not going to focus on that today. What I'm going to focus on is what happened in heaven that day. It says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, we've talked about this before. The size of a king's train is an indicator of the size of his dominion. And it says that his train filled the temple. Now, last week we talked about patterns. We talked about passion, and we talked about posture. And we learned that everything that God asked Moses to do was patterned after heaven. And then we posture ourselves to receive from heaven. And then our passion is about heavenly things. And that's when everything starts beginning to work. But when our posture is earthly, when our passion is earthly, and when our pattern is earthly, then we can't receive anything from heaven. But see, God sent the worshipers first. He did the thing. Here's an interesting thing. If you go back to Joshua chapter 6, you've got the the army of Jericho surrounded by this big thick wall. I'll get back to this in a second. This big thick wall. And it was impenetrable. They were unbeatable. There was no way Israel was going to be able to do anything about this. And then God says to take the instruments, to walk around the city, but do so silently the first six days. Then on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. And on the seventh time, I want you to blow the instruments and I want you to shout. Now, can anybody tell me on what physical universe that makes any kind of sense? There is nowhere that makes sense. But see, when they obeyed and they began to worship and they began to praise, it says that the walls of Jericho started shaking. Right? And they crumbled down. Now, what is the point of that? Well, I want to show you something. I stood above it, stood the seraphims. Each one of them had six wings. With twain, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. I love that word, twain. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. So they began to praise, right? These, these seraphim, these creatures that looked beyond description, that had six wings, and with two of them they covered their eyes, with two of them they covered their feet, and with two of them they flew. And it says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. But see, that word moved, the King James is a great translation, but that word moved does not do it justice. I want you to find the ESV on that. And I want to take a look at that. Because that word literally means to quaver or to tremble. To quaver or to tremble. Like an earthquake. And it says in the ESV that the, the door and the threshold began to shake. 
began to quake. So here is what I'm going to put before you as to what happened in Jericho. See, when you begin to proclaim, see it says the foundations and the thresholds shook. Heaven shook. See, you can't shake earth until you shake heaven. So many of us are trying to shake up earth by who we vote for, who we align ourselves with, or, or you name it. And I'm telling you, until we begin to shake heaven, we're not going to see change on this planet. That's why God told, or Jesus told the disciples, which Jesus is God, but separating him from the Father. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But see, it says on the 14th time around Jericho, the seventh time on the seventh day, that when they began to praise the Lord, what does it say began to happen in Jericho? It says the walls began to shake. See, there is something about recognizing what praise and worship is. There is something about recognizing what we are trying to accomplish. And it's not just singing nice songs. Worship is when... mm. I got so much pinned up in me. Ephesians 1, chapter 18. Or I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, verse 18. Let's go there. It says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you, name, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, where the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Man, I wish I had time to deal with this. We'll deal with it the first year. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now look at this next part. Far above all rule, authority, Power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the name to come. So see, when Jesus fully accomplished that which he was set out to accomplish, he was given a name that placed him far above all rule. Now we know that word rule is arche. Don't have time for it, but basically it's from the same word we get archangels. These are fallen archangels. We know there is rank in the angelic and there is rank in the demonic or the satanic. Jesus is above all of them. No matter what their rank is, I'm going to read it. It says, above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also the age to come. So Paul is saying, just in case you're confused, this is never going to wear out. Jesus is always going to be far above anything that can possibly be named. If it's got a name, it's got a knee. I can't remember who said that. It may have been Dr. Norm. But as a name, it has to bow to the name of Jesus because he's been given a name above it. See, that's why it always fascinates me that Satan is, 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 he's wise, don't get me wrong. But he's foolish enough to fall into the same trap by giving things a name. Right? Because if it has a name, that means it has to bow. You know what cancer is? It is the name of a disease. It has to bow. I also do believe that there is 
physical and spiritual sickness. Some people have physical disease. Do you know that, oh man, do you know that Satan can mimic symptoms? There was a woman, it said that uh, she was bent over, like her back was out. Couldn't get up and it turned out it was a demon. Jesus cast it out, she was able to get up. There was a man that mimicked the symptoms of epilepsy. The Bible calls it moonstruck. It says he threw him in the fire and it's right after the transfiguration. Jesus cast the demon out. So see, we have to understand the difference between sickness in the physical and sickness in the spirit man. Which is a man, totally different animal. But you've heard of these sicknesses doctors can't find? They scan and scan and scan and scan and do this and do this and do this. They can't find it. I believe it's because it's not physical. And here's the funny thing. Once you exhibit symptoms, sometimes we tend to give in to those symptoms, and then it gives permission for the actual disease to enter our body. Right? And then that's when things can get really messed up. Oh, man, since I've gotten off subject, let's get back on. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. I want to show you something. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, listen to this, made us alive together with Christ. Now, that's a key phrase. Where are we alive together with? Or who are we alive together with? Christ. By grace, you've been saved. But look at this next thing. And raised us up with him. So see, when Jesus rose from the grave, he didn't rise by himself. As a matter of fact, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, somewhere around verse 9, it says that he led captives in his train. You know who those captives are? The people of this planet. That are doomed for hell without his help. And also he went into hell and redeemed those. But it says he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where is Jesus seated? In the heavenly places. And where are we seated? All right, see, we, this is a revelation we have got to get. We have got to understand where our seat is. Hopefully I'm not as all over the place as I feel. Let's go to John chapter 4. Verse 24, let me lay down some context here. There was a woman. Of course, Jesus wasn't supposed to be talking to her. She was a Samaritan, which means basically she was a Jew that had mixed with other nations. Or a Israelite that had mixed with other nations. And she came out to get some water. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you living water. And of course, she gets radically saved and has her life transformed. But then she has this question. She says, you know, you Jews, which is actually short for Judah, don't get Jews and Israel mixed up. Okay? Israel is all 12. Jude is just two. Or the Jews are just two, Judah and Benjamin. Because the other 10, they call them the lost tribes. Why'd they get lost? Well, they didn't get lost. They just started sleeping with other nations, polluting the seed. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm giving you all kinds of stuff to work on this week. She said, we Jews, or you Jews, you say we're supposed to worship on that mountain. But see, we Samaritans, 
We say we're supposed to worship on this mountain because Jacob dug this well. She said, so are you greater than Jacob? And then he says this, God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now I'm going to do some math. Yeah, I'm not good at it, but babe, there's only two. I think I can go one, two. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so let's start with one, our physical body. Where is our physical body? I'm looking at it. It is not possible for it to be talking about our physical bodies as seated in him in heavenly places. So now we're going to move on to two. Two is our spirit man. Now where is it seated? With him in heavenly places. Right? So when we worship God in spirit, where are we worshiping? We're worshiping. We are joining with the angels in worship. Now I have to do something else. How do the angels worship? Well, first of all, we saw an example in Isaiah 6. It says they covered their eyes, they covered their feet. Now I'm not saying that we're supposed to do that. But what they were saying, they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now let's go to Revelation Chapter 8, verse 4. It says, And the smoke of the incense which came from the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So when we pray, where are our prayers going? They are being lifted into heaven. So see, here's the thing. Prayer only has one aspect. And that is vertical. Prayers go up. I can't pray to you. I can't pray to any. Matter of fact, you can't pray to anyone but God. And they rise up like incense. Now, I don't know if this means it was literally smoke like incense, but I think maybe it's a metaphor showing how prayers rise up. See, smoke rises up. Prayers rise up. But let's take a look at something else. Let's go on to Revelation chapter 8, verse 4. Oh, let's go to verse 5. Yeah, thank you. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it the earth. And there were voices and thunderings, lightnings and earthquakes. So heaven shook. Right? Keep going. It says, and the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and followed hail mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burned up and all the grass was burned up. And the second angel sounded, and it was a great mountain burning with fire. It was cast into the sea, and the third part of it became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had life and died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as if it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many died because of the water. So when prayers come up, God intervenes. Let's let's move forward to Revelation or move backward to Revelation chapter 5. And this is the story of the elders. And it says, I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, 
as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are prayers of the saints. So we're back to that. But then look at what happens. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals. Therefore thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And hast made unto our God kings and priests, that we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, beasts and elders, and the number of them was a thousand times ten thousands and bunches of thousands. And they began to worship, and they began to praise, and they began to shout. And look what they began to say. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So the two that I just read, number one, you see the effect of the prayers, but you also see the effect of the worship. See, when we worship, we begin to join the heavenly ranks. But see, there are two types of worship. See, I'm going to count again. I'm going to do math again. But we're only dealing with two. And this is, this is where I'm going to I'm going to kind of close out. See, there is worship that shakes heaven, and there's worship that shakes me. And I need both. See, I need those worship songs that are declarative, that tell me, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave of fear, because sometimes I need to remind myself. But see, those kind of worship songs help us. See, can I, can I tell you something? God is not that interested in my preaching. You may say, well, I'm with God. Because God is the one who inspires the word of God. See, the preaching is for you. It's for us. It's to build us up. But see, that's not what worship is. There's two types of worship. One that is about me, and we call that praise. See, praise is when we loud and extol the Lord. Lord, I thank you that um, David wrote some of the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie beside the still waters. He restores my soul. But see, there's also those Psalms say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Praise his holy name. We lift up the Lord. There, see, there are different types of worship, and there's different types of praise. So there's the kind that is, we call it vertical. It's to build me up. Because, folks, sometimes we're so discouraged, we can't get to heaven. We can't see ourselves seated with him. So we've got to get our praise on. Right? I know who I am. I know the Lord is my shepherd. I know he's not going to leave me as a beggar. 
And sometimes I just need to sing it. Sometimes I need to shout it. But see, there's something different that happens when we enter into worship. When we enter into what is called adoration. When we adore him for who he is. It says that the threshold and the doors in heaven began to shake. See, when we get into that realm, it's where we're worshiping him in spirit. You notice it doesn't say praise him in spirit. It says worship in spirit. When we get to that place where we are so caught up in heaven, that things start begin to shake. The smoke begins to rise. You saw what happened in Revelation chapter 8. Satan was cast down. There were, there, there were all kinds of wonders and signs going on in the earth. Why? Because heaven was shaking because of the praise of the people and the praise of the saints that had gone on, the praise of the elders and the praise of the angels. That's why in Hebrews chapter 12 it says, you are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. 11. You're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. See, when we worship, we have witnesses that join in with us. But can I tell you, some of those witnesses are standing in awe. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. I'm too, I'm too wound up to slow down yet. So in which salvation the prophets had inquired and searched diligently who prophesied the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, which testified before her hands the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now check this out. Uh, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now being reported to you by those who have preached. Look at this. The gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. When we join the angelic rank in praise, they're like, wow, we can't do that. See, angels cannot be redeemed. We talked about that on Wednesday. When they sin, the only, the only option they have is to get worse and worse and worse. But see, we can be redeemed. The angelic ranks, the demonic, they are in awe when they see God's people enter into adoration. Like, they can do what we can do, but we can't do what they do. See, they don't have dominion on this planet. We do. They don't have authority on this planet. We do. They can only help us with permission. If man refuses the permission of the angelic rank, they cannot help us. People get really hung up. Oh, you got, God's got to have permission to move. Yes. If we block every access and say, no, God, he's not going to override our human will. That's why we sing that song. So come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. And everybody's like, that sounds like. No, we're not giving God orders. We're giving him permission. You know why people go to hell? Because they will not give God permission to give them heaven. He's not going to work against us. Real quickly, I want to share with you what it means to praise versus what it means to worship. And we'll close with this. In the Hebrew, there are seven words for praise. Eight, if you count the hallelujah. 
But hallelujah actually isn't a word. It's a combination of words. It's a contraction. Several words crammed together. It means to praise the Lord. But the first Hebrew word for praise is the halal. And it means to boast about the goodness of God. It's when you get before people and you sing or you praise them. God has been so good to me. Look at everything he's done for me. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't God amazing? But then there's the yada. That means to extend the hands. It's just like when you reach out and say, God, <laughs> you're so amazing. And then there's the Barak, which means to bless. More importantly, to bless the Lord. Lord, I bless you. I bless your name. Then there is the Tehillah, which is to sing. Then there is the Zamar, which is to praise him with the instruments, which is similar to a psalm, which is what we do. And then the last one is called the Tada or the Shabbat, which means to shout. So seven ways we can praise God. One is to boast about his goodness. Another one is to extend our hands. Another one is to bless him. Another one is to sing. Another one is to praise him with instruments and to shout. Those are all part of the praise. But see, the worship is very different. The worship is shakah, which is different than shabbat. And it means to bow down as if under a weight. Now, what in the world? Help me remember the Shekinah. What's, what's the word for glory? Shabbat. Shabbat. Yeah. The glory, Shabbat of God. You know what the word Shabbat means? It means weight. Why do you think these words are so similar? Shabbat and Shabbat. Wait. The glory of God is like wait. So when we worship, it is like the weight of heaven comes and rests on us. Have you ever noticed what happens in you when you hear the song? Holy, holy, holy. It's like something just happens in your spirit. It's like, yes. Yes. When we begin to sing about the attributes of God, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, or because of who you are, I'll give you glory. And then we say, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. See, when we begin to do that, something is happening in the heavens and we feel it. We feel it. I love songs that make me feel good about who I am in Him. But there's something about a song when heaven begins to shake. When the thresholds and the doors begin to tremble. Now we're on to something. See, now we've got something. That's why you can send the army after the musicians. Because see, they knew. First, we better shake up heaven. And the enemies were so confused, they turned on each other. And he's like, Elvis, they said, I'm all shook up. Some of y'all get that on the way home. There's some young people Googling, who is Elvis? (sighs) 
I hope this is hitting home. Because see, that's why your posture, your passion, and your pattern is so important. That's why it's so important that we get ourselves to where we create a space where God can move. We talked about this last week. Because when we access heaven and we begin to shake heaven with our prayers and we begin to shake heaven with our worship things down here cannot help but be shaken Jehoshaphat sent the army after the singers logistically that makes no sense that's just setting up your worship team to get killed See, why do you think that Satan resists worship so much? Why do you think worship is so controversial in churches? It's because it touches something. There's something about a song. There are many of you right now, and you think, I wish they'd sing such and such a song. And I guarantee you the reason is because heaven shook that day when you heard that song. And it shook something in you. I'm the same way. You want to get me on my face? Sing old rugged cross. Why? Because heaven shook the day I heard that song. And it shook me and it changed me and I became a child of God. There's nothing wrong with loving those things, but building monuments around them and expecting them to serve you, that's where the problem comes in. But kind of piggybacking off last week again and then we'll, we'll close of your pattern, of your posture, and of your passion. You know which one is the most difficult to change? It's your pattern. It's so deeply ingrained. We've been building that thing for so long. But folks, the church in America does not have a pattern change. We've got to start developing healthy habits. One pattern that has to change is the pattern of prayer in our lives. See, prayer is a conversation with one. Maybe many people, but it's one. And when we gather to pray, especially before the service, now look, I understand it's very clumsy before the service on Sunday. But when Dr. Norm walks in and begins to pray, I am encouraging you as your pastor to stop the chatter. There's a foyer. Walk out in the foyer. It's, nobody's going to look down on you. You're, in here, you're having a wonderful conversation. Dr. Norm walks in, rips the door of heaven open. Slip out into the foyer. Carry on your conversation. There's not a thing wrong with that. But if you stay in here, you're making a declaration that we're talking to one person right now and it's not my friend. Anytime we come together to pray. Now, it's one thing that God reveals. Drop something in your spirit and says, go share that with such and such. And you share what God shared with you, but then don't carry on a conversation. Waste the whole prayer time. Blah, 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 blah. Because then you didn't accomplish anything. Because Elder Robin said, I love you. You're one of my favorite people. But there are certain situations you can't help me. So why am I talking to you when you can't help me? Now, there's times you can help me, right? And I talk to you and you do help me. But sometimes you say, Pastor, you got to go to the Lord for that one. 
I can't help you. And if I keep talking to you, that don't make no sense. So when we come together to pray, that's what we do. We pray. We don't converse. We pray. And I encourage you all to join us in our prayer times. Because that's just like setting the field. I don't know how to explain it. But it just sets things up. But there are some of you today that you have an unhealthy pattern in your life. Things you keep doing over and over and over again, pulling you back into the same trap, back into the same mess. And the pattern is because your attachments to people. You have unhealthy attachments to people that can't help you. In fact, some of them can only make your situation worse. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe, somewhere in 15, that bad company corrupts good morals. Elder Robinson always amazes me when people get into these terrible relationships, friendships or whatever, and they say, well, I'm going to win them to Jesus, and the next thing you know, they're participating in their behavior. See, you can't keep yourself in an atmosphere like that and expect to come out a winner. So if you're going to try to help them, you've got to pull them into your atmosphere. You pull them into your family. You pull them into your church. You pull them around your people. You don't get sucked into their situation. Because you'll end up smelling like the same poo they do. You got to break that pattern. You got to break that cycle. You got to break the don't. The Bible says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because you'll end up in the same mess. Does that mean we can't be friends? Of course not. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Let's not be ridiculous. But Jesus never got sucked into their situation. They, he pulled them into his. There are some of you, it's about your posture. To be frank, some people have an attitude. And the Bible says, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who thought not... Equality with God was something to be grasped for. He was already there. But it said he humbled himself and became a servant. Well, deal with your attitude. It's time for some humility. Come before God and say, God, I just, I, my expectations, everything, everything I'm frustrated about, Lord, I lay it down before you. I give it to you. You know when I change my attitude is when I get tired of it. You ever get tired of yourself? I do. I can't do this no more. Lord, you're going to have to help me because I'm tired of being me right now. I want to be a new version of me right now. Help. The passion is something everybody's passionate. Everybody's passionate about something. For some, it's sports. For some, it's television shows. For others, it's music. For others, it's self. For some, it's cars. And what's really funny is Jesus said, seek first. Be passionate about the kingdom of God. I'll add all this stuff to you. God doesn't, he's not interested in our stuff. I'm asking you right stand. I'm going to ask the ministers to come. And I don't know where you are right now. But folks, I'm going to tell you right now, this is serious business. 
if you've got a pattern in your life that is destructive, if you've got a bad attitude, or if you're passionate about everything but God, your life is either in disarray or on its way. But I am here to tell you right now, heaven is ready to shake at your worship. Heaven waits to respond. You can't change your situation on earth until you realize where your seat belongs. We are seated with him, in him, in heavenly places. Far above all dominion. The devil got you beat down. Get up where you belong. Above him. That's why they sing the song. He's under my feet. He ain't under these feet. You see the devil under there? I don't. He's under my spiritual feet. Because my seat is, I love it doesn't say that Jesus is just above. It says he is far above. See, that's why we can say we are more than conquerors. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So if that represents you, I've got a pattern in my life. I've got a posture, an attitude that is not like Jesus. It's all about me. And boy, this is a tough altar call. Y'all probably ain't going to pray for nobody today because... Or my passions are all out of whack. I'm after everything and accomplishing nothing. I'm working 80 hours a week and I'm still broke. I'm passionate about this and I still can't get any satisfaction. Then I want you to come. We're just going to give it a few minutes because I don't want to drag this out. I got a pattern I need to get right. There is behavior in my life that is destroying me and I want to change it now. There's an attitude that I possess that is destroying me and I want to change it right now. There are passions in my life that have me all over the place except where I need to be and I want to change it right now. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Lakeside E-Town. Have a blessed week.